0: Producer Doug here. I just want you to know this is the fifth time I'm trying to record this, so I'm just going to shoot from the hip. All of our DCC audio wants you to know about Pop Culture Classroom. Now, this is a great program. They take comic books uh, to elementary schools, jails uh, to for like, you know, illiterate, barely literate children and, and, and prisoners and They, they do, they have many programs. I'm just making it sound terrible, so I'm sorry. Um, but I want to get this through. Uh, (laughs) uh, it, uh, is an education program, uh, with more than 600 hours of educational programming. Basically, it envisions individuals transformed by the educational power of pop culture to create diverse, inclusive, and engaged communities. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little Paul Sheer on this. Sorry. Look, it's a great program. And because of them, we're bringing you these great con exclusives from Denver Comic-Con. So please, please check them out. I think they're great. I mean, don't, there's so many things between the spectrum of elementary schools and prisons. There's middle schools and high schools and colleges and halfway homes and a van, you know, down by the river um, that... They hope that homegrown pop culture experiences can change the communities that we live in. I want this to go global, viral, globally. So please, check out Pop Culture Classroom. Uh, I think that's, uh, where's the, uh, there it is. At www.popcultureclassroom.org. They're legit. And hey. Hey. Give him some money. You know why? Because you're not paying for this. Kick him a buck. Kick him a couple bucks. Where's my two dollars? Where it should go to pop culture classroom. Thank you so much. Enjoy the show. Oh, no,
1: was not me with the lights? As soon as I said who I was, everyone started yelling. I was very concerned. <laughs> I don't know if there's some weird Denver-Boston rivalry, I didn't know about it. I'll
2: make it so many people want to find
1: <laughs> yeah. you. I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I like sports. I'm, I- I'm banished from Boston six months a year
2: because I don't like sports. Um, this is going
1: to be virtual, we're going to be talking over an hour, and just, I'm stalling for a minute grab seats as fill in, because I don't want anyone to miss no, we're the single second games. of this. Uh, I'm very excited for this. This is the highlight of my weekend. and I've been running a lot of panels. Uh, don't tell the other anyone people at the panels, but this we're is my favorite you. one. <laughs> uh, but this will be great. We're going
2: to chat, and I would like to introduce
1: <laughs> now, Without further ado, everybody, please welcome Weird uh, Al Yankovic. 80 square down, we have the wine shirts, we have the mustache. Why no Magnum PI processor?
2: Right?
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it was uh, uh, Tom Sulk and I were like up for that job, and it was a close call with Amazon.
1: Yeah, I, I would love to see a Magnum PI start where that would be uh, fantastic. That could be a good reboot. We'll look we'll into that. I, I, I'd watch it, I'd buy that. I'd buy that. Hey, for sure. As long as one person buys it, that's a whole lot uh, but I was first exposed to you when you took over MTV, did the first LTV, TV, which I think was on April Fool's Day in like 84, 85. Very I mean, good. Yeah. 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 So and I can look that up or something. Right? For yeah. I, I agree as, yeah, as, a, as a litany of useless information for most people, but is useful today. Um, but that blew my mind because you know MTV was still fairly new, and for them to mess with their format and for you kind of get it so well that you were able to pair something so new, uh, which is kind of what I do, uh really was incredibly exciting for me. How did that come about? Well, uh, for people that
3: are old enough to remember what MVP was like in their lady. Anyway, I think it came out in 1981 I didn't uh, have cable TV for uh, a year or two after that. I was living in a little $300 a month apartment with a Murphy bed that thought, of, you know, so that, that was a bit of a lunge.
1: Yeah, and, we, and,
3: and nowadays, I don't know if that would work as well, but back then, people watched MTV so much, and they'd see the same video like eight times a day. So you were intimately familiar with every little detail and nuance, which made it very easy to parody. you had to was tweak it a little bit, and people thought it was hilarious.
1: Right. Were you a, a, a great fan of some of the, the sort of, not knuckles songs, but obviously Dr. Demento, but there was a lot of sort of odd musical stuff on television you know, in the 70s and 60s, even, like, you know, you'd get weird stuff on Ed Sullivan, or, you know, even on, like, sure. you know, Warren book, you'd get weird stuff. I guess so, you know. Yeah, I well, mean, maybe not weird. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think who I would have seen, like, back in my childhood,
3: that would have uh, been an inspiration. I mean, you know, the, the, I guess one well, the people that inspired me were the people on Demento uh, from the 40s and 50s, like, the Spike Jones, The true, Stan Freeburg, Tom Lerner,
2: people like that.
3: She was very fringe, so it wasn't until... That's why he was such a revelation when I was exposed to, exposed to the documentary show because I heard all these amazing uh, musicians and artists that i really never heard before.
1: I mean, you would get those guys sometimes on cartoons because they were so good with voices. Right, <laughs> Freebird was a yeah. huge. They'd pop up on that stuff, but yeah. like, were you one of those kids who put two and two together and was like, wait a minute, that cartoon voice is the guy who's singing the funny song that I like as <laughs> well? Not until much later, Because Stanley should with his clubhouse
3: Uh, so he related to them on a really, you know, intimate kind of level, and it was a really, really fun show. So that and the and Sheriff John, I think. I, I guess so. this was a local thing, you know. But nowadays, it would seem like a weird thing, but I, I remember back then, Sheriff John would have this milk drinking game, yeah. where everybody would have a, everybody was supposed to have a glass of milk, and then he'd say, green light, and then he'd start drinking your milk, and he had to keep drinking until he said red light. <laughs> 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 Oh, this
1: is, it seems like abusive now. Yeah. <laughs> right. <Come> yeah. <laughs> I imagine his parents walking in because there's the infamous soupy sales thing as well where all the time the are just like, go in your mom's purse right. and grab <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <And> some money and get <laughs> the green shop. Yeah. His parents walking in some kids just glued to the TV and <laughs> <some laughs> milk shots.
2: <laughs> I didn't <laughs> hear it, like, he he did. drink. he's drinking, he's drinking. <laughs> he's drinking. <laughs> it's
1: a glass of 50, I
3: don't care. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Do you have a favorite TV theme song? T- a yeah. theme song?
3: Yeah. That's
1: a favorite theme song. Musicians, especially people who you know, I think are sort of seen as pop culture, because sort of the first music you like yeah. tends to be a theme song because you can you know you can watch
2: it every week.
3: Well, game I love all the theme songs from the '60s. <laughs> like I love all of the dopey TV theme songs that told the whole story of the show, uh, Gilligan's Island and Green Acres and Beverly Hills. But at least all those, you know, oh. oh. uh, 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 yeah. short.
1: Starstruck fired, do you remember the first person you Star Starstruck Five when you started getting, you know, post-fegate uh post are uh, uh, this sort of more higher profile? You know, most of the people that uh,
3: that have gotten famous since, since the 80s, I don't get that Starstruck five because I consider them my peers. Right. And, but but the people that like I I, I worship as a child, I still get Starstruck start to this day. Like the first time I met Paul McCartney, every time we meet Paul McCartney like
2: ah! yeah.
3: Weird realism. I can
1: never be. I, I try to get a normal human, rhythm, but it's just never possible.
3: Like,
2: like
1: a friend of mine met and was starstruck, and he just showed her a magic trick and then ran away. That
2: was like she's coming on the street, and he's like, Hey, look at this, woo! <laughs> <laughs> like, I guess if you're a
1: girl you develop that kind of thing to like get out of the situation. Right, right, and He right. yeah. 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 just disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had to come up with a thing like that in order to like sort of like get out? Like, i got to make sure there's trap doors if right, I was like, this <laughs> <yeah. Disguised> kid.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, is there a, a, a song that you always wanted to parody, but you just can't? Like, you can't find an angle on it? That happens more often than not,
3: actually. I mean, you know, there, there are a, a, a ton of songs. And I can always think of an idea, but not always. What mm-hmm. is
1: halfway
3: through. Uh, well, I, yeah, I, I, I wrote an entire song called <laughs> Eated when I was, it, I was like, this
1: is just like, bitch, <laughs> I, I think we not know, like <laughs> Eated was first.
2: Then and you uh, sounded okay. like Jackson, hey.
1: Oh, okay. my hair. Yes. yes, right yes. Uh, it, for the most part, people are pretty happy when they get pregnant. by it seems like, right? That's yeah. No, no it, it. was a little different from when I was first starting out. Right. But
3: uh, after you know, doing this for a long time, i have got a track record, and a lot of artists actually uh, viewed it as sort of a, a badge of honor, or I think Lady Gaga called it a rite of passage. <laughs> uh, I mean, <laughs> was a, one of the She's <laughs> <was laughs> fine. fine.
2: No,
1: Find out on it. Yeah. Uh, so UHF, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. So, okay. uh, I mean, something theory started the most of Summerful Mass. And uh, I was slightly disappointed because they had a giant, like three-foot-tall cutout thing for it that had married to the mock on it and all of these other things that were in the movie. And I didn't see on the TV either. Uh, I'm not gonna i complaining about it. Okay. Uh, but it well lived up to the hype. Uh, and was that a kind of this just crazy everything I see on TV. Kind of thing, I wanted to be able to do sort of the things you do know, videos with the I, I
2: basically,
1: uh,
3: Jay Lee, my manager, long time manager, and I worked the movie together, um, Jay directed it, Right? I mean, do they have digital cable sub
2: channels? Right. Which would be a bad name yeah. <laughs> yeah. for a movie. Yeah. Yeah, ultra high frequency TV. But back when I was a kid, and
3: i mean, going to get this going back a but I just remember there used to be 13 channels, that was it. But then there was a whole separate dial on your TV where you could, like, find the public, public access channels and all these, you know. was like a dream to, 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 to get for the role. Uh, Michael Richards was like our first choice for that. I can't imagine anybody else that could pull out that like, kind of goose goofy physical humor. Uh, he was amazing. Um, so yeah we, we were very lucky that we were able to, even with a small budget, we were able to get pretty much everybody we wanted.
1: Did you see Michael like, Richards on Fridays or
2: regular Fridays?
1: Or...
3: That and also uh, around the LA club scene I right. do stuff where he would be on stage and and get an imagine fight with somebody on stage, and he would hurl himself backwards 10 feet, and like, wow, this guy's just not afraid to go for
1: it. He's great at that. Transylvania 65000 5,000. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> so like, no, he, was, he would have, like,
3: little roles in movies like that and,
1: and just kind of steal the movie. Yeah, and it's, it was, it's probably the first starring role, really, that he has
2: in movies. Well, it might, yeah, it might have been. Uh, he, I think
1: he
3: did He did have had a few more extended roles, but
1: that might have been his biggest role at the time. And Billy Boy, you got Billy Darden.
3: Yeah. He, as Billy, you know, not
1: as Billy, Billy but, not that, you know, he Comes, you know, he's not playing a mythical. Right, right, right. You know, he's he's just a guy. He's right, just right. Like, oh,
2: yeah. I,
3: oh, is that the first time you've been in? And, uh, gosh, I you know I, I can't say for sure. I, I think I might have been before that, but um, I certainly like got to hang around with him a lot more for that. And uh um uh, the guy James, you want to say James Mystery yeah. He was one of the original bones of the clowns.
2: City guy and right.
1: also the Vara. So it's like that there, there was sort of a real <laughs> crossroads in LA in sort of earlier in the 80s where you had all these people from you know comedy music, punk rock, and making this sort of weird uh, stew of all the stuff they grew up with. Right. And that really resonates with me is that you know you you're kind of first generation of people that grew up watching TV and started making stuff.
3: In a way, yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, and, and UHF was, I don't know if you can even make a movie like that now because it, it, it was sort of a, I wouldn't say it, it wasn't like independent budget, but it was a very low budget studio film. Right. Uh, and it's a very small comedy, uh, which... Well, it would be hard to make in the studio system these days. So I'm glad I got in when I had a chance.
1: Yeah, I mean it's now it's if they don't if they haven't had a math guy said this is going to make 200 million dollars right the first day it do it. It's almost like MTV on MTV. They kind of said don't go over this budget. Don't take longer than this. Yeah. It's either it's a huge blockbuster or it's
3: like a no budget. To make another TV show or do another movie like that? I would love to. I've always wanted to the idea of doing another movie. Um, not a UHS people necessarily, but I would love to do another movie. Uh, I love doing comedy bang bang. Uh, oh, I'm actually right. trying to pitch the idea of doing another kind of sketch comedy show. I don't know where that would wind up, but that would be fun. I uh, mean, yeah, I have a lot of things either in development or or, or or irons in the fire right, to, right. and, and trying to get some stuff going. Uh, i to see what happens. Because I mean, now it's, there's this arms race between
1: digital platforms. And it's almost like when cable first started, they just want content. And you can do it for x amount, x amount of time. Like, you know, it's it's kind of a great time to do it. Yeah, so it's
3: kind of a wild frontier because a lot of these people are just looking for stuff like, Netflix has got a big bang on
1: it, make it ready, come on! We just want to be the last one What music do you listen to when you want to just relax and get like an
3: album,
2: Yeah, no. he's actually loyal to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and that
1: was another sort of uh, precursor to some of the stuff that we did was national University radio Theater, which I really gravitated towards because of-
3: as well, Deteriorate Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, you know, this is my kind of sensibility. We're
1: yeah, it was sort of in the pre-internet age, which is a weird thing to say Yeah, people. You kind of, if you met someone else that read cracked, or, or, you know, had a subscription to Mad Magazine, we're friends. We haven't yeah. say a word to each other, but I know that we're
3: friends. Because yeah, so, you didn't have the internet to connect you back then. Nowadays, if you want to, like, read a back issue with Mad Magazine, like, oh, we put that in, and then Google it. Yeah, there it is. just a PDF. But back when I was a kid, like, if I wanted to find back issues, my parents had to drive me around in the old, Shops and go in the attic where they yeah. had the old, you know, the, the stacks of back issues and mm-hmm. dig through it. It was and a lot more hands on. I mean, if you were a real fan of something, you had to really seek it out. You to be really
1: motivated. And I think that's why a lot of stuff sticks in our brains more because you had to hunt it out, and when you did get it, you made sure you absorbed every single yeah.
2: second.
3: It kind of, kind of meant more to you because you really had to, you know, seek it out.
1: Are you a collector of things? Like, are there? You know, maybe there's something you collect or something that you hunt down or stuff like cannot... Um, I collect my own memorabilia. Do <laughs> 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 uh, anyway, you? What do you think? Um, I, I, I you
3: know. Yes. You know, I try not to. Uh, you know, I, I'm a bit of a hoarder, which uh, my Same wife way. has been slowly trying to get me to, uh, to stop doing that. When, when we got married uh, 16 years ago, uh, she went through all my stuff. <laughs> I had shirts that I still had from high school. You know, but I just never threw anything away. And some of them fit her pretty well, so she kept the ones that she liked. Uh, but we, we went through and we you know, I, I think uh, we I gave close to a thousand shirts to Goodwill. Uh, <laughs> the so some years of years that ever wanted to do. I mean, I still can't believe I've been able to do all this stuff. I, I like, you know, I, I, I've done a, a TV shows and movies, and I, I like to, you know, someday do a successful.
1: Yeah. I think he could do baseball and football. Yeah. And I've been saying that to people for years. Weird how get him on, on, a, on a diamond. That's the next And trip. then he's going to knock him out of the park. <laughs> Is there anything you watch now, or do other TV shows that you love, or that you can't miss? Oh, gosh, I that the you know,
3: Oh, huge, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Huge SCTV guy. Yeah, SCTV was another huge inspiration to UHS because that was the same same kind of vibe. Yeah, uh, for people who aren't
1: SCTV fans, revisit it. It's so much different than SNL in that there was this sort of history and you got rewarded later. And we realized, you know, uh, Count Floyd is actually the alcoholic news anchor. (laughs) But they never explicitly tell, like, it has this sort of mythology to it, which has always resonated with me. And you definitely see it in UHS, which is fantastic. Um,
2: did you ever get to meet any of those guys, or, like, any The guys? guys? Yeah, like, uh, guys.
3: Most, most of them at some point or another. Um, pretty much, mm-hmm. like pretty much everybody, even John Candy, I met at some point. So, yeah, I, I mean, um, uh, can't think of, have I worked with any. I don't know if i ever actually worked with anybody on SVTV, but I, I definitely live more. Are you the kind of
1: person that kind of fans out a little bit when you get to someone like that? A little bit, yeah, uh, I mean, because, again, you know,
3: that was from my early teenage years, so people like that are still, like, hugely impressed by it.
1: And that was one of those weird things where it was like if you met someone else that caught SCTV and you could talk and they knew what you were talking about. Oh yeah, like right, this is
3: the, the best little club. Thing. And then the Python was I my Python like you know that was like sort of like you know uh, there were you know, whole months of my life where I talked in a bad British accent. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, did you play on Dr. Winter? it was hard to find, or
2: were you a mixtape guy?
3: I tape don't go? know. In the early days of mst 3 I remember we had some VHS tapes going back and forth. Right. I, I had a tape the, X- on on the awesome. internet and before the DVDs came no, no, out. Um, yeah, yeah, and then the Dr. Marino show, I would record those, and I might have traded
2: some of those with my friends.
1: Is there anything that you, uh, or a person you'd like to work with musically, like? Do a duet with, or like co-write a song with? Like, is there someone you're just like, man, I would like to? Lynn
3: manuel Miranda is a friend of mine, and we, we talked about maybe <laughs> uh, We before Hamilton came out, actually, we were trying to do a musical together, no. and it didn't quite gel, and now he's a little busy. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know,
1: we're, we're friends, and I'm sure we'll be friends for a long time, and it uh, might happen at some point in the future. Is there a genre that you just haven't been able to click into? I can't think of one, but, I mean, there's, you're able to, you know, chameleon-like sort of pull off um, these genres, that I don't know, I don't
3: think there's anything that my band can't pull off. There's, there's genres I haven't tackled yet, I guess, although I, I've tackled quite a few, yeah. but, um, uh, yeah, you know, one of these days I'll get around wall. all. Anything, anything you think I should be tackling? Um, you
1: know, I, I, I feel like you're Young, dumb, and ugly oh, sort yes, yeah, 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 of yeah. ACDC-esque. Heavy yes, metal. yes. It's, yeah. it's hard to do a heavy
2: metal thing because I feel like I'm kind of like going in spinal tap territory. Yeah. So I don't want really
3: to kind of bite their style too much.
1: Yeah, is there something that you, aside from that, where you're like, man, I'd love to do this, but someone else has done it, where I feel like better and I could never touch it?
3: Every now and then, you know, it's hard nowadays for parodies because back in the 80s and 90s, uh, I could do anything a lot and not worry with somebody else. the obvious ideas. Like, if I think of a song idea and it's, it's like an obvious idea, somebody's done it already. I, I couldn't do Eat It now because there would be, you know, if, uh, if a song called Eat It came out, there would be 10,000 periods on YouTube called Eat It. So I have to think outside the box a little bit. And on the last album, I was doing to do a Star Trek parody based on a, uh Let It Go called Make It So. And then I Googled it, which I probably shouldn't have. But of course, there'll be a awesome. It's a little difficult to do. But it
1: makes you have to up your game a little bit, maybe. It does. Oh, yeah, it does. It makes
3: you kind of, it, I can't go for the low-hanging fruit anymore. Right, right.
1: Uh, one of my favorite things that I wore this video up was the complete app. I, I oh, had the VHS tape, and it was, the, the, maybe the closest thing I could think of was like, my nest missed, uh, elephant farts. Oh, thank you. No, uh, I love that. Before that, which was, you know, for people who don't know, it was like a video album. Yeah. Right. comedy. And bands were pointing out, here's a collection of all our videos. But that went so much further by making it sort of a career retrospective documentary. Yeah, yeah. you know, three years into the career. <laughs>
3: it was, almost, it was a, an, an odd call because it was before Behind the Music, it was sort of like an odd documentary. And, you know, it was odd to me because it mixed a few actual facts from my real life with obviously bogus facts. And, you know, I think it might have confused Behind the music, I was like, "Well, do we want to do a goof behind the music, or does anybody actually care at
1: this point what my real story is?" Was it a hard sell for that? Because I imagine the marketing was like, "Hey, we want to do one of these videos. We're just gonna compile all your and put it out."
3: Fox, which put it out, said, Well, we can't hire Russell Wells because we're a Orange County Fair, and I also played at, uh, in Western Washington, and that's the only two places I've ever played. Um, but there's one bit where I wanted to get uh, we had some like that on the street questions, and I thought we'd fun to, you know, like have my mother-in-law, and then yeah. have like Fabio, and then have some other celebrity, <laughs> and uh, at one point we asked Julio because, you know, at that point, you know, it, it, would, it would have been funny because we'd had this be. and he said yes but you would need I'm not going to say how much money but money and he was like for this bit, there was some guy from the BBC also there, you know, waiting to do a little interview with Paul McCartney, and he was a very proper British guy, and very, very serious, and like 10 minutes before Paul gets there, If you've seen the movie Lost in Translation, it was very lost in translation. Because stuff was going on, I had no idea what was going on. Watch this clip, you'll see me completely out of my elbow, I have no idea what's happening. I'm thinking Eat It uh, phonetically uh, in English and Japanese while sumo wrestlers are dancing behind me. And in the middle of it, I don't think this. out <laughs> <laughs> calls me over and then he says,
1: Eat. Set in of itself too, because you know I think that as I alluded when we first started, like being able to do very funny visual parodies that are more like sketch comedy, and have sort of a dead-on and clever take on the song is almost two completely different, equal skill sets that you know most people weren't able to do both, and you being able to do both is ridiculously impressive, <laughs> well, thank you, yeah, you're welcome, I mean, if I'm impressed by it, as well. um, do you have an affinity for one or the other, or
2: is one easier than the other for you? Um, yeah,
1: I, I, I've had more practice
3: doing the, the, the music and the and the, and the, the periods, um, so I, I'm, I'm probably better at that, uh, but I enjoy it. They're, still, they're, they're all fun for me. I mean, I think my skill at doing the parody songs has allowed me to do a lot of other things that I probably wouldn't have gotten the chance to do otherwise. I, I love doing voice acting. I get, get to do a lot of that kind of stuff now because I've had a success in this other area. Uh, so it's, it's, it's become, you know, I, and I don't want to denigrate doing the songs and the parody, so I love doing that and I want to keep doing that, but that's sort of been my take. Uh, I to doing all the
1: other stuff as well, yeah. Is there ever a video where, you know, it was- Back in the days of like especially Michael Jackson, they would premiere these videos and it was enormous. I mean I remember the bad video aired on like five networks simultaneously they had a making up special and all the stuff. And I imagine you're sitting down being like, I gotta watch this because I'm probably gonna go parrot."
3: squished head from the beginning of UHF where the boulder wins over me. So I got my flattened squished head somewhere in a drawer.
1: Which <laughs> <laughs> will scare you at some
3: no. point. No. <laughs>
2: yeah. uh,
1: I imagine you could use that at Halloween or something if you're right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is there anything you wish you kept? or like a a memento or something that you're there is. I mean, like, Seth, you know, Seth uh, disappears
3: from, from video sets all the time, so you have to, like, really stay on it to make sure that you grab stuff if, if you want, because right. things just kind of mysteriously walk away. My, my drummer has got way more stuff than I do, John Bermuda Schwartz. Yep. He's sort of the official archivist, so he's got a garage full of, like, memorabilia, which you know, some of it's really cool, some of it. My, my, my wife is just hoping that he never dies, because if he does, that will comes to comes us. to you. Yeah. <laughs> 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 to go through it. She goes the
1: Albatross collection. Right, right. Uh, that was a bad part on my part. The weird <laughs> Albatross, you could oh, call it. Up. There you go. You, here you do. you travel museum when you tour. That's
3: like in the lobby of the places. Thank well, we, we, uh, for the uh, last tour for the mandatory fun tour, we actually had a VIP lounge, which was kind of a traveling museum, uh, which was like a, a lot of things in glass cases, like the original script from UHF and the Grammy and and uh, you know various uh, 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 costumes from the, the music videos, so that was, but that was pretty fun.
1: So you've been doing a lot more of these sort of to, to wrap up here, sort of like VIP events and like meeting fans and stuff. And things have sort of changed in a lot of ways, where this is more you know people more accessible now. Have you noticed any big difference between sort of touring now and touring? are bigger
3: for, and uh, yeah, they're more they more varied. When I, when I first started out in the '80s, uh, in the early '80s, I, I think my uh, hardcore audience was predominantly male and predominantly young. And what's nice is nowadays uh, the people that written to me in the, in the '80s have kind of grown up with me, not they their families, and and uh, and everybody seems to be enjoying the show. I mean, it's, I really.
1: be familiar with the song that you heard or to enjoy the <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for
2: chatting and thank Weird Al, everybody. It's-
0: if you liked this, check out some of our other shows like Mr. Right, Exotic Liability and No Applause, Just the Clap. You can find us at www.bacnpodcast.com and by searching for BACN on iTunes and Stitcher.
2: Oh yeah!